Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week, Lauren and I find out how to survive a barren wasteland. More exactly, how various types of animals and dinosaurs over our past history have managed to survive what would be catastrophic circumstances. How did the dinosaurs survive and grow into modern-day birds? And how does one survive the most devastating Australian natural phenomenon, bushfires? Australia is a sunburnt country, a land of sweeping plains, and what sweeps across those plains quite often is devastating fire. And this is uh, a terrible fact of life now for Australia and is going to become increasingly more dangerous as the years goes on because climate change is exacerbating these extreme dry conditions we see, which leads to more extreme and more regular fire. But fire has been a part of the Australian landscape forever. We we are a sunburnt country and we are a fire-burnt country. And that's actually how our plants reproduce and spread. Once a bushfire every couple of seasons or so actually helps keep the forest in check. And that's all well and good. But what about the animals inside the forest? How have they survived all these years as bushfires ravage their homes? They've got fireproof clothing. Well, that would make sense if the animals, in fact, did have clothing. And what they turn to is an a- to study this, researchers from the University of New England, Curtin University, and the University of Western Australia have turned to an animal that is covered in clothing. Which animal is covered in clothing? Well, well, a very specific type of clothing, one that is very stylish, very <laughs> on point, <laughs> and very spiky. And that is the echidna, which is covered in fur and spines. Lots of spiky spines. I hope that becomes the new way of describing a new fashion trend. What? The echidna. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, on point. it's so on point. The echidnas <laughs> are like all of the on points. Man, they are they are on fleek like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so why are we focusing on echidnas? Well, okay. One of the interesting parts about other animals is that echidnas aren't as fast moving as a kangaroo or a dingo or any other large type of creature that lives in the Australian outback. Uh, they are ground dwellers, and they're interesting because they're slow moving. So how does one of these things survive a fire? Mm-hmm. And they are actually a really peculiar type of mammal, just to talk quickly about echidnas, because they lay eggs like a platypus. And they keep finding these eggs and these echidnas just hanging out after fires uh, happen in an area. And everyone is just, like, really surprised by this fact because they just keep seeing them in, like, devastating areas. They're just like, hey, guys, I'm here. Just chilling. Everyone else has left, but I'm still here. Yeah, and it's like, well, are, are, are you a fire elemental? Are you some <laughs> kind of creature that just, like, summoned the bushfire? Okay, so we were test- so we're testing how fireproof echidnas are. Well, 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 it's not so much fireproof as, like, fire positive. Because when when a bushfire comes through, it sort of burns almost everything. And when there's that means there's little to no food or even a limited amount of breathable air because the fire can suck up a lot of oxygen left. So so if you're surviving there, what what are you doing? How? How are you doing this? Which is quite interesting. So basically, um several of the animals in the dry woodland southwest 
east of Perth had tracking devices on them. And we recently just had a large bushfire go through the area. And and in lead up to one of the summers, managers of the preserve of the dry interval preserve actually just did a controlled burn uh, to help kill off the undergrowth and keep the, the vegetation strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they noticed as the fire burned, they monitored the echidnas to see what they did. And they did it before as well as after. Okay. So ha- let's start with the initial like actual fire. Yeah. So what did, what like behaviors did they see from the echidnas when the actual fire was occurring? Well, this is pretty logical. So an echidna is a ground dweller and mm-hmm. it likes to forage and burrow. So you duck. And what they found was some evidence to suggest that they were likely holed up in logs thick enough to protect them or burrowed into sort of some type of either ground or, or underbrush or wood growth that they could dig mm-hmm. into. Uh, and that was very, very interesting. So that, along with their really thick skin, they believe is what helped them to, to survive. Okay, so they've survived the fire. But then they're stuck in this desolate wasteland with barely any air. What do they do next? <laughs> yes. They didn't roam around Mad Max style searching for water because the echidnas are smarter than that and they're lacking Charlize Theron, so <laughs> they don't really have much option. Um, what they do instead is they like kind of put themselves into a hot mini hibernation. like They put themselves into a torpid state, sometimes up to four days in length. And this deep sleep, their whole metabolism slows right down, so they don't need any food. So rather than like go out and searching for new sources of food, they just wait till the old ones grow back? Well, basically, they literally wait for the smoke to clear and for food to be- and air and water to become available again. They just wait it out, get over the crest of the worst part of the fire, and mm-hmm. then get up and keep going. And, and that, that's really fascinating because, like, this is really interesting for Australian wildlife and it's a great sort of concept that they just like, oh, bushfire's coming. Oh, she'll be right. I'll just chill in my log, sit here, go to sleep, wake up. Ah, everything's fine. Uh, you're in a burning, desolate wasteland. Yeah, but I was in Australia before. It wasn't really that much different. <laughs> like, it's just something so amazingly Australian about this echidna's response to a massive bushfire to literally take a nap, sleep on it, and get up and deal with the problem later. It'd be really interesting to see if there are any other creatures that also exhibit this type of behaviour. Well, yeah, I mean, like... The, there are other plenty of other instances where there's big dramatic events like this. Bushfires are one. Volcano eruptions are another. Or even something as catastrophic as a you know an asteroid hitting the Earth and wiping out the dinosaurs causes a lot of change in our climate, dries up available oxygen, food resources, and so on. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is what a similar method the small mammals did then as well to survive. They could put themselves into hibernation, something a big dinosaur really can't do. So these little tiny echidnas can teach us a lot about how to stay calm, have a plan, and live to fight another day, even when bushfires threaten your home. Devastating fire, a barren landscape, and an area that has no sustainable food is a perfect recipe for extinction. 
and extinction brings to mind dinosaurs. After all, even though we had giant dinosaurs such as the Tyrannosaurus and the Triceratops, or the ones with huge long necks like the Brontosaurus or the Diplodocus, or even billed dinosaurs, or ones with snorkel-like flutes, out of all of these giant and amazing different types of dinosaurs, only a few of them survived to evolve into what we now know as the modern-day birds. Now, what made these small bird-like dinosaurs more adaptable and more likely to survive than the large ones? Is it a purely a question of food? Is it a question of the size? Did the asteroid impact target them in some particular way? And a recent paper is trying to sedge some light on what actually caused this circumstance to arise. So it's been published in Current Biology. And the idea that has been suggested here is that abrupt ecological change, such as you know a massive fire wiping out all your food source, or perhaps more an asteroid impact or large volcanic eruptions, would be more detrimental to carnivores rather than the bird-like dinosaurs. And so the modern bird and the early bird-like dinosaurs with toothless beaks were able to survive on another food source, and this enabled them to adapt where others perished. So this work has been undertaken by researchers from the Royal Ontario Museum, the University of Toronto, and the Royal Tyrrell Museum of Paleontology. And together, these Canadian researchers have been looking at, well, what we think of as pretty much a stable food source for a lot of birds, seeds. And by looking at seeds themselves, they might have given us a clue into the survival of the dinosaurs. Now, in the Cretaceous period, lots of there were lots of small bird-like dinosaurs, and uh, there's a name for it called the Maniraptoran dinosaurs, uh, basically hand and raptor group of dinosaurs, and it's not very well understood group. They are very close relatives to modern birds. Now, there are some close relatives of modern birds, including ones with lots of teeth, that went extinct at the same period, but this other group managed to survive, and that's really very interesting to look at. They're so gen genetically similar. Why did one group have the edge? Well, to answer this question, they began by investigating the extinction event that happened at the end of the Cretaceous period. And really what they looked at here, whether or not it was an abrupt event or a progressive decline, simply just capped off with an exploding finale from a meteor impact or a large amount of volcanic activity. And the reason why you have to be careful around that is that the fossil record indeed holds evidence to suggest both scenarios, depending on which dinosaur was exempt. But focusing really specifically on the bird-like dinosaurs, researcher Derek Larson, the primary author of this paper, collected data around 3,100 fossilised teeth from over four different types of Maniraptoran families, the specific type of bird-like dinosaurs. And it involved many hours at the microscope, as well as on the papers, cataloguing the various shapes and size of each tooth. And what they were looking for is actually patterns of diversity in the teeth. And when you're looking over an 18 million purity, believe me, there's a lot of diversity. Now, if the variation amount increased or decreased, the logic is then that, well, this will mean a lack of diversity or increase in diversity. If the team made, teeth maintain the differences over time, then that would indicate a rich, stable ecosystem over millions of years. And that would obviously suggest then it was a big, final killer blow rather than a gradual decline. Now... In the end, by studying the tooth data, specifically from the Maniraptorum dinosaurs, what they found was that they maintained a very steady level of variation through the entire 18 million year period of the Cretaceous period. Then abruptly, 
became extinct just at the boundary. And this supports the uh, large impact hypothesis or the uh, rapid extinction hypothesis rather than the gradual decline. Now, they suspected that diet may have played a key part of this. The dinosaurs that went on to become our modern-day birds would have had to survive on something, and the records suggest perhaps they were eating seeds uh, and other types of foods like that with their beaks, which enabled them to survive when their food sources were being wiped out. In fact, the last common ancestor, according to the research conducted, was a, a toothless seed eater with a beak. And that as a diversion point is quite interesting. And when you look at that and the records from the teeth study, as long as the other existing work done around the types of birds and dinosaurs and the linkages between these two species, the research suggests that a number of lineages giving rise to today's birds were able to survive on seeds after a, a, a catastrophic event such as a meteor impact. And, you know, that meteor strike or large volcanic activity or whatever method wiped them out this big cataclysmic event would have affected sun-dependent leaf and fruit production in plants or animals that eat that, so that wipes out carnivores too. But hardy seeds could have survived and been a viable food source until other options became available. So whilst there are a variety of bird-like dinosaurs all the way through the Cretaceous period, with a variety of different methods, shapes and sizes in their food styles, they eat and their eating methods and their beaks and their teeth. At the end of the day, the variety became as rare as hen's teeth and they all died off very rapidly, except for the group of beaked birds who were able to survive and they became our modern day variety of bird species or would over time. And that beak may have just kept them able to survive when all other options looked bleak and bare. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out how dinosaurs survived their extinction by eating seeds and becoming the modern-day birds we know today. Plus, we found out how echidnas managed to survive the devastating Australian outback's bushfires. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.